Would you stand this morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord. Today we're looking in the book of St. Luke chapter number 22. Luke chapter number 22 began reading with verse number 39. If you're new this morning or you haven't been in a couple of weeks, let me remind you that or tell you that the Lord has impressed upon my heart to declare the year 2016 as a year of prayer. Uh, we are constantly in a series about prayer and today is sermon number three. And today we're going to look at some insights into the prayer life of Jesus. Insights into the prayer life of Jesus. Luke chapter 22, again reading with verse number 39. Speaking of Jesus, it says, coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. When he arose from prayer and had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. Then he said to them, why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Father, I thank you for your awesome and incredible word. God, I pray today, Lord, that your, uh, uh, that the anointing of the Holy Spirit will rest upon the word of the Lord this morning. Father, I pray, Lord, that, God, that you will open our hearts today and you'll open our minds and open our eyes today, Lord, to your word. Father, I just pray your blessing upon those that receive it. Lord, may we put in action what we receive today. All of these things we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Well, Jesus is our greatest example in every area of life. Today, I want us to take a peek into his prayer life. I wonder what we can learn from Jesus about prayer as we look and see some insights into his prayer life. Well, there are six things that I want us to glean from the prayer life of Jesus. Six things that I want us to notice today. The first thing I want us to notice, and that is he prayed strategically. Jesus prayed strategically. You'll find that in verses 39 through 41. Notice two things that we discover in these verses. First of all, we discover that, that he had a place to pray. Verse 39 says that, that he, Jesus, went to the Mount of Olives. Notice the next phrase, as his custom was. Jesus had a place to pray. Now, this wasn't the only place that, that he prayed, but it seems to be one of his favorites. Now, I understand that we can pray anywhere and we can pray at any time. But I do believe that there is something to be said about meeting with God at the same place at the same time. 
There is something to be said this morning about having an appointment with God. To say to God, this is our time and this is our place. So I want to encourage you this morning to develop a time and develop a place to meet with God. To, to a place free of distractions. A place away from the hustle and the bustle of everyday life. A place of intimacy. Just you and God. Jesus was strategic in prayer. Not only did he have a place to pray, but he had a plan to pray. Verse 39, the New Living Translation says that he went as usual to pray. See, Jesus didn't just pray in a time of crisis. He, he, he didn't just pray when he needed something. He didn't just pray when he wanted something. But he had a plan to pray. For him, for him, prayer was a priority. Prayer was a part of his routine every single day. Let me ask you this this morning. Do you have a plan to pray? Because if you do not have a plan to pray, you will not pray. Because, because Satan will make sure that, that your schedule is so full that you just simply will not have time to pray. See, the only way to have time to pray is if we make time. If we schedule it, if we make it a priority. Here's what I believe this morning. If we really knew the value of prayer, we would cancel a lot of things of lesser value and make time for what is most valuable. We're looking into some insights to the prayer life of Jesus so that we can glean from them and hopefully adapt them to our prayer life this morning. Second thing I want us to notice about the prayer life of Jesus is that, that number two, he prayed secretly. Secretly. Verse number 41 says that he withdrew from them about a stone's cast and he knelt down and prayed. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 6, Jesus said when you pray. Notice Jesus didn't say if you pray. Jesus said when you pray, he said go into your room and shut the door. And he said, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And he said, your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Here's what we need to understand. For Jesus, prayer was not for show. Prayer was not for show. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 7, Jesus said, when you pray... He said, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do because they think they are going to be heard for their many words. Let me ask you this this morning. How many of you, have you ever heard anyone show off through public prayer? Don't look at anybody. Certainly don't point at anybody this morning. Have you ever seen anybody show off through public prayer, wax eloquent with smooth, polished, silver-tongued rhetoric that comes across as plastic and self-serving? For Jesus, prayer was not for show. For Jesus, prayer was sacred for him. 
In the model prayer that Jesus gave to the disciples, Jesus taught them to pray like this. It's found in Luke chapter 11 and verse number 2. Jesus said, pray like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Jesus said that when you come into the presence of God, he said to come in hallowing the name of God. He said to pray like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed, holy, sacred, honored is the name of my God. You see, for Jesus, prayer was sacred. That's why he chose to separate himself. That's why he chose to get all alone. I wonder this morning, I I wonder, do we honor God enough when we pray? When we come before the throne room of God, when we come into the presence of Almighty God, do we honor God enough when we pray? Do we truly hallow His name enough? Do we understand how holy He is? Do we understand how honored that we ought to feel, amen, that God would allow us into His presence? Psalms 91, a favorite of many, Psalms 91, verse 1 and 2 says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, He is my fortress, He is my God, and in Him will I trust. Not only did Jesus pray strategically and secretly, but, but, but he prayed specifically. Jesus prayed specifically. Verse number 42, he prayed, Father, if it is your will, take this cup from me. See, Jesus was facing the cross and all that it would entail. And he prayed specifically about the cup, oh, that he would have to drink. Often when we think of the price that Jesus paid for our, our, our sin and for our salvation, often we only think about the nails in his hands, only the nails in his feet, only the spear in his side, only, only, only the things like that that he had to endure. And all that is horrendous and awful. But I'm going to tell you that perhaps, I don't know, but perhaps the most horrendous of all and the most, the highest price that he paid of all was when he had to take the cup of Gethsemane and drink it. You see, this cup would contain all of the sin of mankind, of all past age, present age, and age to come. Somehow God miraculously uh, uh, rounded up all of the sin that had been, was being, and ever would be committed and put him in the cup of Gethsemane. And Jesus, how looking down into the cup, saw the sin of humanity, knowing he was going to have to drink it. Jesus prayed specifically about the possibility of not having to drink this disgusting cup. Let me suggest two things about praying specifically this morning. Number one, we should pray about significant matters. We should pray about significant matters. In Mark chapter 9... Verses 19 through 29, the story is recorded of a man who had a son that was demon-possessed. And he brought his son to the disciples and asked the disciples to cast the demon out of his boy. But the, but the disciples could not get it done. They couldn't do it. 
And so he brought him to Jesus and he said, Jesus, my son, is demon possessed and I ask your disciples, I ask your disciples to, to, to deliver him from these demons, but, but they couldn't do it. And the Bible said that Jesus, Jesus took authority and Jesus spoke to the demon spirits and Jesus cast the, the demons out of the boy. The Bible says that in verse number 29, Jesus said to the disciples, he said, he said, this kind of demon will only come out through prayer. Now we need to understand what Jesus was not saying. Jesus was not saying you can only cast the demon out if you pray a prayer over the demon. That's not what he was talking about. He was not talking about saying a prayer. He is talking about the fact that only those that have a consistent and powerful prayer life, only they would have the power and the authority needed for significant matters like this. We should pray about significant matters. Hey, let's get very practical this morning. You should never buy a house without praying that God would guide you and direct you to the house that he wants you to have. My wife and I have practiced this for many years. I'll never forget now about, oh, 24, 20, 24 years ago or so now when we were in, in Midland, Texas, and we were looking for a house to buy, and, and we were asking the Lord to take us to the house that he would have us to buy, and, and we looked at dozens and dozens of, of, of houses, and, and, and I, was, I was trying to get the church off the ground as it was a, a, an infant church. We had just started ourselves. My wife was working full-time at a, at a Christian bookstore, so her schedule wasn't flexible, so I had to do a whole lot of, of the looking by myself. And I'll never forget one day, I, I walked into the house, and into this house, and I called my wife and I said, baby, I said, baby, I found our house. And my wife said, oh, really? Did you buy it? <laughs> I said, no, baby. <laughs> I've been married long enough. <laughs> no, I didn't buy it, baby. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't buy a house without you looking at the house. I didn't buy it, baby, but is there any way on your lunch hour that we could, we could meet with the realtor and, 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 we could, and you could look at the house? And Because, you see, when I walked into the front room, when I walked into, the, into that house and I walked into the living room right then and right there, I knew I'd been praying. I'd been seeking God. I'd been asking for direction for God. And I knew I hadn't even looked in the bedrooms yet. I hadn't even looked uh, throughout the house yet. But when I walked into the house, I knew it was the house God wanted for us. Later that day on my wife's lunch hour, I think it was, she came by. She too walked into the home. And as soon as she walked in, she knew this is the house God has for us. And we lived there for about 12 years. Hey, listen, listen. You should pray about significant matters. Amen? You shouldn't date somebody just because they're cute. <laughs> You shouldn't date somebody just because they, they fit the criteria, you know, that you have, you know. You, you, you shouldn't date somebody unless you have prayed and asked God to lead you and direct you and guide you. You certainly should never marry somebody unless you have the green light from God in prayer. Practical matters. Hey, if you're a boss, you shouldn't hire somebody just based on their resume. And their qualifications. You shouldn't, shouldn't hire somebody without praying and asking God and, and finding the mind of God. You should never change jobs. Yeah, but you don't know how, how my boss is treating me. Yeah, but the next boss may be worse than this one. 
Never change jobs without first praying about it and getting the mind of, of God. And the list goes on and on and on and on. We could go this morning. We should pray about significant matters. But we should not just pray about significant matters, but we should pray about simple matters. Pray about simple matters. I've always dabbled uh, in rental property for the last 30 plus years. Always everywhere I've been, I've had two or three rental properties that, that I bought and rented out and just something I've kind of dabbled in down, down, down through the years. I'll never forget several years ago, I had this rental property and I was over getting it ready to, to be rented and I met the next door neighbor and the next door neighbor was a sweet uh, little widow lady, uh, uh, faithful Christian of Baptist Church. She came out to see what was, what was going on, what I was doing, whatever, and we just started talking, whatever, and I found out that information about her, and realizing that she's the widow lady living by herself, and all of that, I just, I just said to her, I said, hey, I said, why don't we just pray, and just pray, and ask God to give you a really good neighbor to move in here, and rent my house, a really good quality person, that not only will rent my house, but also will, you know, will have his eye on you, and keep his eye on you, and kind of be there for you, maybe even be a little handyman stuff for you, just, why don't we pray that God will put somebody in this house that'll be a good renter for me and a good neighbor for you? She looked at me and she goes, oh, I could never pray something like that. She said, isn't God way too busy to worry about something like that? And the answer is, no, no, no. Write this down this morning. Write this down. Anything that matters to us matters to God. Anything that matters to us matters to God. He's our Heavenly Father. He loves us. He cares about us. I'll never forget when Krista was just a little girl, about six or seven years of age, she got interested in gymnastics. And she became involved in gymnastics. In all honesty, before she got interested in gymnastics, I wasn't even that much interested in gymnastics. I, I probably had never even had one thought cross my mind about gymnastics. I never watched it. I didn't know, you know, the beam from the parallel bars. I, 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 I didn't know anything about it, didn't care to know anything about it, had zero interest, but all of a sudden, I started getting interested in gymnastics. And I went to a lot of gymnastics meets. I met a lot of people. I even met a couple of famous people. Who was it, Krista? Nadia, who? And who? Bart Connor. Bart Connor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she hadn't been interested in gymnastics in a long time, okay. See, see, it didn't matter to me, but all of a sudden it mattered to me because it mattered to my little girl. And whatever matters to my little girl mattered to me. God is our Heavenly Father, and whatever matters to us matters to Him. In Luke chapter 11 and verse number 3, Jesus said, include this in your prayer. He said, pray, give us this day our daily bread. What is Jesus saying there? Is He saying that He's going to put us on a bread and water diet? No, what He's really saying is, He was praying, He's saying to pray 
for your daily needs. Pray that your heavenly Father would supply the daily needs of your life. We should pray specifically. We should pray about significant matters. And and we should even pray about simple matters. Matters And listen, what we need to understand this morning is that what is, what is a significant matter to one is a simple matter to another. And what is a simple matter to one is a significant matter to somebody else. Most of you know that for the past several years I have, I have been praying specifically. And I have been specifically asking God for a, for a grandson. And three times instead, a baby girl pops out. Now my son is is crowding 40. His youngest is 11 years of age. Their family was complete, they thought. But God answers specific prayers. I even asked for a grandson named Michael. And on January the 8th, Easton Michael Robert Benson was born. But you know what the Bible says? The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 20 that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or we could ever think. Listen, listen. On July the 15th of this year, my second grandson is due to be born. His big sister Eliana says his name is going to be Hudson. That's what the four-year-old says. His name is going to be Hudson. And so I assume his name will be Hudson Michael Sean San Severino. Amen? We're looking into the prayer life of Jesus as an example for us to follow in prayer. He prayed strategically, secretly, specifically. And number four, he prayed seriously. Verse number 44 says he prayed fervently. James chapter 5 and verse number 16 says the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse number 7 says that while Jesus was here on earth, he offered up prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears. Now hear me this morning. I understand. I understand that we tend to pray according to our personality. I understand that. I'm loud. I'm bold. I'm animated. And so that's how I tend to pray. If I'm by myself, amen, I lift my voice and I pray. I'm very loud. I'm very bold. I'm very animated. And it comes out not only in my personality, but my personality comes out in my prayer time. And so I pray that way as well. Others are very quiet and very subdued. Listen, here me this morning. I'm certainly not saying that you have to pray loud in order for God to hear you. Somebody said one time, said God's not deaf. I said no, and he's not nervous either. But I do believe this morning, I I do believe there is something positive to be said about praying out loud. I didn't say praying loud, I said praying out loud. Not just thinking our prayers in our mind, but actually verbalizing them, opening our mouths and praying out loud. 
Evidently, according to Scripture, Jesus prayed this way. And if this is the way that Jesus prayed, then I think as an example to me, that's the way I ought to pray. I will tell you a practical thing about that. It will help you to stay focused. He prayed fervently. He prayed with pleading, the Bible said. The Bible said that Jesus prayed with loud cries and he prayed with tears. Jesus prayed seriously. Why did Jesus pray like this? Well, number one, he did because he understood the importance of prayer. Jesus understood the importance of a prayer. See, see, Jesus was both fully God and fully man. He was son of God, but he was also son of man. Now listen to this this morning. Hear me. When Jesus prayed, when Jesus prayed, he prayed as son of man. You see, in his deity or as in son of God, he didn't need to pray. He's God. So as son of God, he did not need to pray, but as son of man... He did. In his humanity, he needed prayer just like you need prayer and just like I need prayer. Jesus did all of his miracles, not as son of God, but as son of man, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus received his Holy Spirit power through prayer. He understood the importance of prayer. He also understood the impact of prayer. The impact of prayer. Back to our scripture for today. Jesus knew that the only way that he could drink the cup of sin and the only way that he could endure the cruelties of the cross was if his father strengthened him and empowered him to do it. Jesus understood the impact of prayer. And that is why he did not get up from prayer until he received that strength, until he received the empowerment from his heavenly Father. I encourage you today, amen, to take prayer very, very seriously, to understand the importance of prayer as well as the impact of prayer. I tell you this morning, there has never been a time in my life, there's never been a time in my ministry when I have valued prayer like I do today. I am totally, completely convinced that the only way that we will be significantly effective is if we bathe every single thing we do in prayer. Let me tell you that I have never, ever seen more answers to prayer than I am seeing right now. I have never been more convinced of the power of prayer than I am right now. Notice the fifth thing about the prayer life of Jesus as we look at some insights into his prayer life. Number five, he prayed submissively. Submissively, verse 42, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Two things I want us to notice here. Number one, his humanity cried for a way out. That's significant. Hear me. His humanity cried for a way out. If there is any other way than this, oh, oh, anything other than this disgusting, vile, vulgar cup of sin. His humanity cried out for a way out. If it be your will, God, if there's any other way, if you can make it happen, any other way than this, help me not to have to drink this cup. I don't think we fully appreciate the humanity of Jesus. He wasn't half man, half God. He was fully man and fully God. And being fully man, he had all of the human tendencies and human and temptations of man. And his humanity cried for a way out. 
His deity cried for a way to overcome. Verse 42, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And I tell you this morning, this is a prayer I've been learning to pray for the past several years. Possessing the type A, choleric, take charge personality that I have, I usually think I know the answer to most questions and have things uh, and how things ought to be done. But I've discovered, I've discovered that although I would rather, I still would rather, you know, just use prayer as a time of telling God how he ought to run his God business. But I've discovered that prayer is really more about listening to God and hearing Him tell me what I should do and how I could help Him in His business. Now, in all honesty, I must tell you that I still tell God how I see things. I still tell God how I think He ought to act and how He ought to work and what He ought to do and who He ought to slap around a little bit. But I always end my prayers submitting to His will and His way. Jesus said in Luke chapter 11 verse 2 in the the model prayer, He said when you pray, He said include in your prayer, God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Just like Jesus, our humanity will cry for a way out. But like Jesus, we should pray for a way to overcome. The last thing that I want to say today as we look at some insights into the prayer life of Jesus. Number six, he prayed successfully. He prayed successfully. Sometimes prayer changes the situation. I've seen God heal sick people. Um... After praying for him. I've seen God supply the financial need of mine and others. As I have specifically asked God for specific amounts. And seen God specifically hear and answer and provide. I've seen God turn people's hearts to me. That were turned away from me. People that that, that have been against me. I have prayed and I have seen God turn their heart toward me. People that didn't like me at all who now love me. Sometimes prayer changes the situation. And sometimes prayer changes the saint. Such was the case with Jesus in his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane that we read. Notice his prayer began with petition. Oh, petitioning his father. Three times he prayed in agony. Oh, in anguish. Oh, fervently. Oh, he, he petitioned his heavenly father for a way out. If there be any other way than this, please remove the cup. Prayer began with petition for a way out. But it ended with power to overcome. See, sometimes prayer changes the situation and sometimes it changes the saint. 
Like the Apostle Paul whose flesh cried out for a way out. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 7 through 10, Paul writes and he says, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. And concerning this thing, I pleaded. I what? I pleaded with the Lord three times. How many times? Three times I pleaded with the Lord that it might depart from me, this thorn in the flesh, this messenger of of Satan that was assigned to the Apostle Paul to buffet him. Verse 9, God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul writes, he says, therefore most gladly I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And so therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Sometimes prayer changes the situation, but oh, sometimes prayer changes the saint. The saint. Paul's flesh cried out. His Flesh cried for a way out. Paul's humanity cried for a way out. But instead of changing the situation, God used the situation to change his saint. George Meredith said, He who rises from prayer a better man, his prayer is answered. Whether God chooses to change the problem or use the problem to change the person, prayer is always productive. Prayer, regardless of the answer we get, is always successful. I've never felt my need for prayer greater than I do today. You'd think after nearly, or after 43 years of full-time ministry, you, you, you would think, you know, that, that I could pray less and I could depend more upon my, myself and my ability and, and, and what I've learned and, and, and what, I've, what I've been able to do on my own. But I want to tell you, God being my witness, that after 43 years of ministry, I, I sense my need of prayer more than I've ever sensed my need of prayer before. And I want to tell you that I will pray more, pray more now before that I will minister than I would in my early days. I have learned to be dependent upon prayer. I've learned the value of prayer. And I've learned that I can only be as powerful in public as my prayers are in private. Everyone come to the platform that is assigned to come, whoever that is this morning. The takeaway for the message today is if Jesus felt his need to pray, How much more should we? If Jesus made prayer a priority, how much more should we? If Jesus depended upon the power of the Holy Spirit, how much more should we depend power of the Holy Spirit that only comes through prayer. Jesus said there's some things that just won't happen 
without prayer. And he wasn't talking about saying some little formula prayer, some magical. He wasn't talking about saying a prayer. He was talking about it will only happen to people who have a prayer life, a people who are empowered because of their prayer and their time in His presence. Would you stand with me this morning? The question I have for you this morning is, what do you need to pray about today? What do you need to pray about today? Let me answer that for you this morning. You need to pray about significant matters. And you need to pray about simple matters. And I promise you this morning that if you pray, God will work. He might work on your situation or He might use your situation to work on you. See, I'm convinced that a lot of things we rebuke, (laughs) we're actually rebuking God because He sent that to us to work on us. Not always, but oftentimes. We attribute a lot of things to the enemy that didn't come from the enemy. A lot of them came from the Lord. Not because he's mad at us, angry at us, doesn't like us, but because he loves us. And he knows that only through the situation can he get the saint where he needs him to be. If you pray, God will work. He'll work on your behalf. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed in this house this morning. How many this morning you lift your hand and by lifting your hand you are you are saying, you are signifying I have a specific need that I need God to meet in my life. Can I see your hand all over this over the building? It might be a relationship, it might be resources, it might be a problem with your marriage, it might be a problem with your kids, it might be a problem at work, it might be for a grandson named Michael. All right, those of you this morning that lifted your hand, that you have a specific need, you need God to meet, and you believe that God hears and answers prayer, and you are willing to pray about it, not just throw a little prayer dust on it for about 30 seconds this this morning, uh, but actually make it a matter of prayer. If that's you this morning, I want you to get out of your seat and walk to this front this morning very quickly. Some of what we will say in this series of messages on prayer will be inspirational. They will be inspiring. Others will be very practical. I encourage you to take the practical aspects, the practical teaching and instruction that I give you and put it to practice. How many believe that Jesus prayed correctly? So we should look into the insights and find the way Jesus prayed and that's the way we ought to pray. I encourage you not only just to hear a sermon this morning, but take this home with you. Begin to look at it. Begin to read it over, study it. Begin to implement it into your prayer life.